Well, I don't have a joke, but I've, one of the funniest stories I ever heard was it happened in a church. We maybe shouldn't record this one, but... <laughs> so you want to hear it while people are coming back? Or are people not coming back? Are they staying with their kids? No, they're coming back. They're coming back? No, the parents will come back. Okay. All right, so this is not a joke. This is a real story. It happened in a church. My dad was told it at a funeral by this pastor who wanted to remain anonymous because he, one, thought the story was really funny, but if it ever got out that he was the one that told it, I don't know, he just felt like he was going to get into trouble or something. So I tried to get on that Hamish and Andy show. Um, you know, that one was like true story or something like that. I reckon yeah. it would have been an absolute cracker, but it wasn't my story, so you can't really do it. So the story goes, this church has just moved into this new building. Some of you have heard this one, so... Um, big church, they moved into this new building and something that was different about this building is that they had a new baptism area. Um, And they decided to start church while construction was still happening on the baptism area. So what you had is you had the pool area where people could go down and in, but they had no, uh, you know, most places have like a curtain or something like that, that, you know, when it's not being used or as people are getting changed and stuff like that. So there was two sections. There was the part where you got baptised, and then the change room was right behind it. So they hadn't built a wall for some reason, don't ask me why, but they just had this random curtain that was up there, and it was like, I don't know, two stands and then this like broom handle with this curtain. So you could get changed, nobody could see you. Obviously, that's where you went after you got baptised, before you got baptised. Anyway, so they're all in this new church, everything's really good, and um, they have these baptisms. I think it was like the, one of the first couple of weeks in. And this guy goes through, he goes down, and what was really fascinating about this place, like they'd spared no expense on the baptism um, facilities. Like they had one of these electric arms that you would, you would sit in and it would take you back like this. So, <laughs> and the pastor wouldn't, you know, they would just sort of sit there and say the stuff and whatnot. We're, we're not going to do that later, guys. Um, I don't know if it's like a workplace, modern workplace health and safety thing where it's like now we're going to use mechanical hands or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, so this guy goes down and um, comes back up and everyone's like, oh, that was cool, you know. And so he goes out the back to get changed. And um, keep in mind, you know, that the facilities are rough, you know. Um, and then this woman comes in next. And uh, she's, she's actually quite large, which, um, you know, is not a big deal. But what they didn't anticipate is the weight load that the electric arm could take. So... So they start, the, they start the baptism and everything goes well. And as the arm goes down, it's struggling to come back up. And, and she's still under the water. And the pastor's got his eyes closed apparently. And he, like, he's praying and stuff like that. Anyway, she starts wailing in the water, as, as you would, as if like, you know, you're getting baptised. You don't think you're going to be having to hold your breath and, and, and die. Although you kind of are, aren't you? Like, you know, um, so... We won't do that either. Anyway, so she's flailing around, and obviously she can't... She just wants to grab on anything to pull her out. So what does she grab onto? Not the pastor. The curtain hanging on to the um, section that's where the guy's getting changed. So she pulls it down. The guy is absolute starkers. He grabs the closest thing he can find, which is a chair, but it's a chair with no top. So he quickly goes like this and frame, you know, like nothing's covered up. 
<laughs> and the entire church, they said it was like raucous laughter for like 15 minutes straight. And at the other kicker was that this lady's still there like flailing in the water trying to grab something, you know. So anyway, I just, every time I think of that story, especially my dad telling it, it, um, it makes me happy. It's like, what a baptism story, you know. You'd never forget it, no. Um, you know, I wonder if that church had grown after that. Um, I'm sure they would have fixed up their facilities really quick. Anyway, now we can start. Is everyone back? Okay, so it's all right if I'm off to the side a bit. I've got, I'm supposed to have some cool-looking artwork up there, but can hardly see it. That's fine. So um, before I get into it, um, I might just pray again. Um, Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for what you have done for us, what you have done for this world, what you have done for this church. I thank you that, Lord, you saw humanity in all its mess and you could have very well, Lord, given up on us. You could have very well have just stayed angry. Stayed angry because we have turned our back on you and we have idols, Lord. We have turned to other things, not the one who has made us. And, and Lord, I thank you that you are a loving God because where would we be without that? Thank you that you came and you took our place on that cross, every one of us. And you rose again from that grave, Lord, and you came for us and showed us the way of love. And Lord, we are we're a small church And yet we live in a world where the church is making headlines for all the wrong reasons. And yet you say we should be making headlines for the love that we have for one another. And so, Lord, it's a waste of time. We are hypocrites if we come and we sing and we pray about how great you are and how much you love us. And we can't turn and do that for each other. So, Lord, would you bind that truth to our hearts that we must love each other as you have loved us. Help us to do that, Lord Jesus, and I just pray through my journey, my story, through your word, that it would be some little push in that direction that would make this church more like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mood lighting, nice. So um, I had this whole spiel. You know when you're a speaker at camp, you've got to do the whole who I am. And, um, but I'm kind of looking at and everyone knows me. Well, most of the people, even the new people know me, which has kind of ruined my whole introduction. Thanks, guys. But um, I might just go through it really quick because um, there's probably some things you didn't know about me. Um, obviously, I'm married to Tiffany, the really hot woman in the third row. Um, I'm not very good at mass. Uh, no. Um, I've got three young kids. Obviously, they're running around terrorising the place, which I love to death. Um, my hobbies, I love music. I love writing music, uh, playing music, um, especially in church. Um, I run a business, a coffee business, um, which is roastery. roastery. Sorry, thank you. A lot of people have tried to say it was a cafe, but you know, you've got to upgrade that to roastery. Um, so I love coffee. I finished school. really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew that I had, to, I had to pretend to be wanting to be a youth pastor to get Tiffany to marry me. And then we got married and then I was like, no, I'm going to go into coffee. No, it didn't really happen like that. I, I kind of got a bit disillusioned at Bible college and 
anyway. Um, ended up falling into coffee, so that's kind of where we are. It's like coffee, church, family. Um, that's really my life. Like I'm not one of these guys that have like 10 different hobbies and stuff like that. Um, I do a couple of my quirks. Um, I, I do like to sing in the shower like I'm on The Voice or something like that, um, which is really... I don't find it embarrassing. I just like just really go for it. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty empowering, really. Not, not really. Everybody does that. Maybe they do. Um, I like to wave my finger at people when I go around um, a roundabout. Uh, you know, when it's like first on the roundabout um, has right away, and then you see that one car that tries to get in, but you're on there. And I, I just like to shake my finger as I go past. <laughs> I don't know why I've done it. It's just become such a habit, but it's just one of my, um, one of my, one of my things. Tiff laughs every time she sees me do it. I know one day somebody's going to see me do it and probably think I'm using a different finger, but it, if you see me doing it and it's you, it's my pointer finger. <laughs> Definitely my pointer finger. Um, yeah, so I guess to, to introduce, like, why, why should I speak at camp? Well, the original speaker bailed. <laughs> So he was supposed to speak last year as well. Um, well, he was lined up and then that fell through, but then uh, someone was already booked, to, the Bryans were already booked anyway, and that ended up being awesome. And this year it kind of, um, I don't know why it happened again. He's a great guy. It would have been awesome for our church, but for whatever reason, it's fallen through. Um, so that kind of happened, what, a month or so outside from camp? And um, I knew the guys at church put in so much effort in preaching and stuff like that. And I, it was really too hard to find someone. So um, I started asking myself if I would do it. And I started asking God if I had something to offer. And so before I actually speak about what I want to share, um, I just want to just talk briefly about the climate in our church and, and how that's kind of led to this as well in, some, in this cool way. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are, we're a young church. We're only, what, six years old? Six years old? Yeah, it feels like a lifetime, really. Um, and, you know, in that six years, we've seen people come and go, um, which has been, you know, some have had really good reasons. Um, some have had really silly reasons. Um, really silly. And some of you are still here today. Some of you have been here from day one. Um, some of you are fairly new to Willowburn. And I, look, I was reflecting on this, and you know, we've had some really precious times. We've had some painful times as a church. And um, even just recently, camp almost didn't happen. I don't know how many know that, but uh, we were going to bail on this place because we only had like 20 people, and we needed 34. And um, you almost just got this sense that we just, we just didn't want to go away together as a church. And um, maybe not. that's not... Maybe, that, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on that, but it just sort of felt like it didn't seem like there was this energy around camp, which there usually is. And, um, and I just remember thinking, man, I love going down to Burley. I, every time I go there, I just don't want to leave. I love doing church with you guys. Um, and you, so you're driving back from the coast and you're thinking about, you know, what's going to happen next for the church and you're kind of on this rush. The kids are all playing with each other and getting injured and all that's That's fine. But there's something really cool about I don't know if it's just this place, but as we come together as a church, but um, we went from having, what, 21 to, I think it's 50. And we've had a few people bail out at the last minute, which is really sad. So um, I encourage you, for those who maybe you thought might have been here, but they're not, send them a text message and um, 
I know my initial reaction was like I was really bummed and I was maybe a bit angry, maybe I was a bit frustrated and yet then God reminded me what I was talking about today which is the love we have for each other and the love we have for God and then how God puts them together. And so as frustrated as it might be, as sad as it might be, we need to love our fellow family members and do something like send them a text message and just go, man, I'm looking at a seat here where you guys should be sitting and I really miss you guys. And um, Anyway, so a question that's come out um, these last couple of weeks, maybe months, is why haven't we grown as a church? I was wondering, does anyone here have a good answer for that before I go on? Have you been thinking about it? I don't, know, I don't know about you, but it's been haunting me a little bit. Again, we came to camp and we only had 20 people. We're thinking, we've got the numbers to go to camp. Like, but yeah, there's maybe we might be down on numbers than we were the year before in terms of people. But what I want to get at is what you think, why? What do you think, Rudge? You're about to open your mouth. Sure, yeah. Uh, Rudge um, mentioned that we hold on to things. Uh, we keep accounts, I guess, would be... Would you say, like we keep accounts for too long? Hang on to, yeah, hang on to things that aren't are important as much as loving. And I think Tiff said just being a bit more bold and trying to create an environment where we can invite people in, in our own personal walks. Just to summarise, Ruth said that she's awesome and she doesn't <laughs> think she has anything to change. No, no, Ruth's just saying she feels like it's such a big week, so when she comes to church she's so empty that she's just having to be filled back up and the toll that that would take, I guess personally and right so I, I mean they're all really great reasons um I got a bit more I tried to dig a little bit I guess what I was thinking of so some of our strengths and weaknesses as a church we're, we're non-denominational which sounds really trendy to say that but all it takes is some type of issue and then you start seeing where all people start popping up in terms of where they maybe it be an interpretation in the bible so as much as we're interdenominational and have a mix it, 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 that can be hard for people um coming to a church like that whereas it's like hey just go to the baptist church you know what you're signing up for you go to the prezi church or what it is and so i, th- I think for me anyway it's always been that you've had to have a bit of a backbone to survive in willowburn like you have to be able to see your brothers and sisters as if they are different and figure out how we can we do this at church um Otherwise, I just think you don't stick around. So that could be one reason. Um, like Tiff said, maybe we aren't sharing Jesus like we should. Um, we constantly have technology breakdowns. You know, maybe we're just, we're just failing in the fact that we need an IT upgrade. <laughs> IT department. I heard projector. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we honestly have next to no programs. Like we're, we're a small church. Um, there are definitely churches with better facilities than us. I mean... We meet in an SDA building on a Sunday with a sign that can't be seen from the road on a side of town that most of us don't live on. So, um, you know, we've got next to no budget and resources. Um, our membership's made up of shift workers and Monday to Friday people, which makes organising anything often complicated. And so, like, you put all that in together. You put all that, well, this is what we're up against. And, and you think, does that sound like a recipe for church growth? Um, Perhaps, you know, we need to answer this question of why we haven't grown. Before we answer that, maybe we just need to look back at how this, how this all started. And so this is where God took me with it. He just made me think, let, let's think back to how Willowband started. I mean, it's always good to do that, I guess, when you're thinking about the future is to look back where you've come from. Um, and I see I'm one of the original members who, who saw the church begin. Like, I wasn't a founding member like Parkey. Sorry. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Let's backtrack. Rewind. Yep. I was going to say fatigue. Fatigue. I guess to summarise that, we're all um, we're doing churchy stuff on top of all the stuff that we're already doing with our lives, and that can wear you out. Especially yep. if there's not. But no, that's a, that's a really good point too. We are we're different in the fact that when you commit to something at church, it's your your life often gets busier, and your capacity you start going, wow. Like I thought it was this. I thought I had all this energy to do it, and, and then um, it, it gets hard. And um, not to sort of give away what I'm going to speak about, but like that's, that's another sign why we need each other. You know, that's another sign why God's <coughs> clever in the fact that he wants us to do church together and love each other. It's like the less we just are takers, uh, sorry, and not givers, then it just falls on a few shoulders. So anyway, I'm digressing. So anyway, I wanted to think about the beginning of this church where it all began. Um, and yeah, I wasn't a founding member. Um, obviously, no, it came out of a, a split, um, which was nasty and it should have never happened, and yet it did. And then um, those that were left, left over, I was going to say leftovers, um, <laughs> the leftovers, maybe there's a sermon in that, microwaved the next day. They weren't microwaved. Um, no, they got together and thought, you know, um, and I know the guys prayed about it. It wasn't like, oh, let's go start another church. I know there was a season of like, what do we do? Do we just go back into our churches? And um, if you want to know more, I guess talk to Parky because he was in the, the cog of a lot of that. But um, I, I definitely remember joining really early, um, which was ironic because I was, a, I was a reform guy and yet I was leaving a reform church. And it, yet, to me, it, it had just gotten to a point where... Um, the love that we have for each other, it just started to stink. And I couldn't see how what we were preaching was matching up with how we were treating each other. So, but anyway, I'm digressing. Um, so I, I want to think back to that early stage for those of you that were there. Like, do you remember meeting in that dump of a club that we used to meet, that clubhouse? <laughs> for those of you who don't, I just want to paint the picture. It's this um, Willowburn soccer club. Um, which obviously nobody... The, sorry, old the old one, sorry. Yeah, the old one. I better say that. Um, oh, it, it was a, like, like, don't get me wrong. It was great being there, but it was a dump of a clubhouse. And I knew there was something spiritual about me using that word. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were broken at the, at the clubhouse. Um, yeah, like there was no room for crash unless you went outside and then there was, it was just like this prickle-laden yard. Um, the toilets were directly behind where the preacher would um, speak from. So, like, you know, if you needed to go, that hallway just amplified everything. <laughs> so I remember figuring the trick was to take one of your young kids with you and then be like, <laughs> you know? And I was like, ah, kids, kids have got to go again. Yeah, and the lock was broken. How many times did the, uh, you know, somebody get... How traumatic is that, getting locked in the toilets? Um, you know, and I, I remember going out and having... I was going to demonstrate Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember going out into, uh, you know, where we'd have morning tea, and it was just like this mosquito-laden courtyard. And then right beside the courtyard, you were, like, paranoid about a snake coming in where the kids were playing because it was just overgrown grass. Like, the, the grass was as tall as our young kids. So it's like... To me, obviously, we wanted to meet somewhere as a church. Um, oh, and that's it. The, the landlord would block us out every now and then. So we'd get there and you'd just see everyone, the music team, just waiting outside the front door. It's like, what are we going to do? You know, and then 
finally somebody would come down from Big Dog or wherever it was and they were just, you know, clearly they'd had a good night Saturday night and obviously wanted to sleep in, so they weren't answering their phone for a while. Um, and yeah, and then at one stage we almost got kicked out and, um, and then we ended up in a new location and, and it's just like unreal. Um, but like if you think of it in terms of a church you wanted to grow from, like you just, it's almost like we, we bought the book from Kurong that says how not to grow a church with your facilities and we said, let's do that. Um, you know, and then people come along and they'd, they'd expect there to be a crash, they'd expect to be all these things, and they, they, you just knew they weren't coming back because they're just so used to having these great facilities. And they came to Willowburn, it was tough, but, um, but there was something distinct about it. Like, I remember looking back on those beginnings and I remember saying to Tiff, I said, I, I just don't, as much as I see all these things, I come to Willowburn because when I'm with these people, I see Jesus more clearly and I've... I end up falling in love with everyone. And, um, sorry, another thing you need to know about me is I'm an emotional guy, so I might start, tears might start flowing. I, I don't, I'm not ashamed about that, but you just need to know just in case it starts. Um, and so, yeah, as I thought about that and I thought about, like, why we, we joined this church and we, we looked at all these things that were up against us, but we knew if we had those two things that, We'd stand the test of time. Like we, we, we weren't even thinking about looking at other churches. It was, it was like this signing up to love for God and His people. And it was like, whatever comes, we're just going to be there. And um, I, I just felt that was so amazing coming out of a church where it was almost like the dynamic was like, well, what separates us? You know, what, what puts you over there and that? And, and Willow Boom was like, man, let's bring everyone together. That's going to be messy. That's going to be sucky. But God tells us to do that. And maybe we just trust Him that something will something amazing will happen and it'll work. And it has for six years and hopefully another six. Um, but anyway, yeah, getting back to what I said about the, um, uh, the type of church we wanted to be part of, and I just knew that it could stand the test of time. And, and now while I believe that now, and while I believed it back then, I, the journey I want to share with you this morning is um, how last year was a really different story for me. Um, it was a year when I proved beyond doubt that you cannot claim to love God and not love his family, his church, and, and not have detrimental effects um, to yourself and the people around you. Um, but it's not all doom and gloom. Like it's, In these past months, God has just, again, begun to open my eyes to this truth about his reality of love in the church. Like It's just such a throwaway word, and yet the more I look at it, the more I feel it in the scriptures, the more I see it, and it's just pushing me into where I need to go and where I think we need to go as a church. But I want to caveat that with a saying that I still have a long way to go. Um, just ask my wife. I've got, I got a lot of stuff to do, a lot of stuff to improve on. I don't make excuses for that. But So after the original speaker bailed um, from the camp, obviously I decided to take it on. and um, So I haven't preached in a long time which is probably pretty noticeable. Um, but I have lived what I'm about to preach, which I felt like that was... Um, I felt like that's beneficial for you guys. And I'm not going to plummet to the depths of uh, biblical exegesis, um, but I will try and get to the heart of what Jesus says. And, and when we do that, you end up asking big questions of yourself and everyone around you. And so camp is a great time for us to reflect on 
the year that way. Our growth or lack of growth, as we think about this past year, we think about the future and dream about what could be. Um, I'll just pray God will use this message to refocus and encourage you as it has me. So when I started, I really felt God lead me to two verses. So if you've got a Bible, um, open up to John 13. Or you've got an iPhone or a smart device. If you haven't got a Bible, shame on you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's plenty there, so share. Um, if, you, if you're someone like the, me, when you sit down in um, church services, sessions, uh, sermons, and you get distracted like you have the capacity of like 10 minutes, just focus your eyes on these two verses because really what I, if there's anything you take away, it's, it's how we live this. But part of my story is, is confessing and showing you what happens when this goes wrong. Um, I would love to just hammer out all these verses about how we can do it right and we will get to that in later sessions, but you need to hear this and um, I need to share it because I think it's in our... Our failings are, are as important as our victories in the church. So let me read John 13. A new command, so this is after Jesus. They've had communion together. They've, Jesus has washed their feet and um, Judas has gone to do his thing. And um, you get the sense when you read it that it's almost like, it's like the last thing Jesus has to say. It's like, his final words to his disciples after you know, all the teaching that they've had over those three years and just watching him. He says this, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So what you do in the church and how you treat others in the church says everything about your love for God. And there may even be people here today that are in the same shoes that I was in. Um, I don't really know where you think you sit on that spectrum of love for God and love for each other, being really healthy um, or just... Maybe you are where I was this time last year, where you just you feel like you've got this relationship with God, but when it actually comes to doing stuff and loving your brothers and sisters, you just you're empty, but you're um, you're not seeing that connection like God wants you to. But wherever you are on that spectrum, as you're thinking about that, um, I want you to just hear this story. So last year in 2017, I, I sat down with the leadership. Um, I think I sat down with all of them. It may not have been. And pretty much I said I needed to pull out of preaching commitments because my business was getting too busy. Remember that roastery we were talking about earlier? Um, And I remember it being really hard. I remember just sitting there and saying, guys, look. And up until then, I'd been involved in stuff. I'd been preaching. And uh, yeah, life had been tough, but um, there was more rewards than there were, I think, setbacks um, being part of the leadership. Um, so yeah, I pulled out of pulled out of preaching because I was just getting too busy. So we were in a seven day business, and it um, was just taking its toll. Um, but then, not too long after that, um, I stepped down from coordinating on a Sunday as well. And 
And it all felt like a massive relief. I just remember going home and, and just justifying myself. It was the right thing to do. It was right to step down. It was, it was right to um, be doing this small amount. You know, it's like, oh, this is my season. You know, like, we, we, we use a lot of silly excuses when, we, when all of a sudden we're involved in church and then the next minute we're not and we dump all that on someone else. Um, and the irony of this is that only a couple of years before that is that I was one of the guys that was pulling guys out from the church to, hey, let's be more involved. Like, let's get behind these, these older guys and not let them just carry the load. Let's get under and let's help them carry it and let's serve. So it was like almost like I'd done this 180 in my faith. Um, and like I was regularly catching up with the guys. Uh, I was active on the Sundays and all that stopped. So you know, I started missing out on the leadership meetings, even though they invited me to still come along. I still chose not to go. Um, and I was still leading music every couple of weeks, but I was just so disconnected, like from these two little choices and throwing myself into my work, I, I just felt this disconnection happening. And I can even look back now and I can remember feeling it. Um, and what's funny though, is that the business started to pick up. And so like in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, Lord, the Lord's blessing me. And, um, and maybe it was like, you know, God's so good even when we do, when we're idiots. Um, so, but my choice to step down like, seemed justified by the fact that all of a sudden my business was improving. But what followed was months of just my love just growing colder and colder and colder. I started to resent the guys on the leadership as I felt I was being snubbed for stepping down. Like, this is in my mind. This is, not, this is not like Ben coming up saying, hey, Tim, I resent you. This is... Stepping back, getting disconnected, and then the voices start playing over in your mind. Because you you've lost that disconnection, so you don't have that opportunity to talk and just shut that, that silly thought up in your head. So because I was disconnected, all these things started coming out. Um, so I felt like I was being snubbed. And um, what, made it, what made it, I look back now and laugh about it, but we don't serve the greatest breakfast at Sleepless. We're kind of like on the go type breakfast um, and they started meeting somewhere else to have breakfast which does obviously a much better breakfast so it was like if I was in a bad place because of what I was making up in my mind then I looked at what was happening and it just just amplified it and I was like oh there we go and then all of a sudden like people were rocking up to church with different coffee labels and you know it was like little silly things like that and I was gone it's like I didn't matter what was preached like I was in this just self-focused, disconnected, like, let me go and do my thing. Um, I, I just feel so strange saying that, but that's, that's the way it was. Um, and then, like, take the sh- church service, for example. I, was, I just became super critical about sermons. I would just rip everything apart in my mind. And um, it's so hard as a preacher to look out and see how your word is affecting people, if they're getting it, if they're confused, if they're angry, if... Um, Maybe there's something else going on in their life and you're interpreting that as, um, man, he's, he's offended by what I'm saying. It's like, no, he just, you know, he had a family member die and he, you know, you, you don't get that stuff unless you talk to people and you know. So here I am in my mind and I'm just here just pulling stuff apart. And Tiff can attest to this. We'd go home and um, I'd be like, oh, I don't think what he said about this was, was entirely biblical. And um, it just always ended up in a fight. And here I was thinking I was going to stimulate some uh, 
a conversation with my wife about biblical growth or the Bible. And because I was in this real anti-love heart, like this anti-love mindset, like it's almost like the Lord just blew it up every time. It was like, don't try and be spiritual, Tim, if there's no love in it. And it just ended up being this argument. And to Tiff's credit, she just used to throw it back in my face and just say, like, well, why are you being critical? Like, um, all the time, you know? And then, then there'd be prayer points. And I'd be like, you know, I'm just sick of such and such just having these airy-fairy prayers. Or um, I'm not going to name names, like, because I think it was just across the board. I felt like I didn't pick on anyone. I just, whoever it was, I just kind of found some way to pull apart what they had. And so I was disconnected from all these things. And then when I was at church, um, I was a real turd. <laughs> and, and there was just no accountability. Like, you know, and I would get angry at people that weren't taking their commitments in the church seriously. Like, this is the irony. I was sitting there going, he said he was on sound and he's, he's, he's gone away for the weekend. He doesn't even know that he's on. Or... You know, um, he's supposed to uh, be coordinating and, you know, he hasn't even got the slides done. And here I am in my, you know, like I'm playing music up the front and so I'm, you know, I'm like, why didn't he do that and why didn't he do that? And you're not seeing all that. This is what's going on inside. And um, the irony was I was doing the exact same thing. Oh, it's just, it's funny how when, when you're not loving people, not only aren't you focused on them, but you're just so consumed with yourself that you just start pulling everyone apart. And I don't know where it was in the year, but I just knew I hit a point where I just didn't want to be there. I just didn't want to be around people at Willowburn. And maybe that's because I knew that if the accountability started, there was just stuff I didn't want to talk about. But you guys would probably know this. Some of you are aware of this stuff. I would just leave straight after church. Did people would see that? Like I would finish, I'd pack up my stuff and go. And um, I'd normally say, oh, I've got to get to the business or something like that. And, and sometimes I did, you know. Um, but... It was almost like, you know, we had this great time enjoying God, but then when the service stops, it's like, that's our time. You know what I mean? Like, and oh, I was just an absolute turd. Like, um, no love in my heart. And, and like, this progression has just happened. And you guys are probably sitting there thinking, really? Like, is this really? And, like, that's what was going on inside here. And it's, it's easy to fake stuff at church. And the more disconnected you are, you know, the less you want to hang out with people, the less I wanted to hang out with people. It's easier not to love them um, because you don't know them. You know, the less you know about them, the harder their sufferings feel to like take on and actually pray about it. You, you don't really rejoice in their victories because you're not invested in it. You know, it's like, oh yeah, cool. You know, God healed you from cancer. That's great. You know, like that's a terrible example, but that's how it flows when you're in church and you're just going through the motions. I'll talk about more of this in session two. I'll unpack it a bit more, but I'm just wanting you to see that progression. How, how, like for me, it started with pulling back from stuff, and um, the next thing you know, all these little bad, these little things just turned into this monster. So that's what wanting, wanting you to see in that photo. Like it's the same guy, but um, it's kind of Jekyll and Hyde. You know, like it's um, he's gone one way, and he's what what should be focused and straight. He's looking at. He just turns into this monster. And so that was church life. Like church life was just this, it was a hard slog. And don't get me wrong, we had great moments and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't an idiot the whole time. But at its core, there was something wrong. Um, there, was a, there was a real lack of love, like almost none, I would say. And um, 
and then you take that to our home life and you know and my home life with Tiff it just wasn't much better like I know a few times Tiff would say this I hope she's okay with me saying it but you know she felt like we were just living as two friends babysitting kids and it was like take the kids away what do we have and um and I just knew every time what I needed to say I knew exactly what I needed to do and yet um it was just this cycle we were praying together less the bible was like rarely talked of and I I just want to thank God for KYB because if it wasn't for that, I don't think it would have got opened, to be honest. And so um, I just want to thank the ladies and honour them that they just kept at it and even Tiff going every week. And I know plenty of times she said she'd go there and just feel empty, but the fact is you went and you'd always come back stronger and with your focus lifted. But anyway, so the laughter was, was, was rarely there, um, other than, you know, things that kids... We used to just laugh all the time, you know. We were just... We're jokesters, and it's, it's getting better now. But last year was hard, wasn't it? Um, and another thing that came out of it is my anger. My anger started to grow like you wouldn't believe. Um, and any of you who have played soccer with me know I'm a passionate guy. <laughs> and um, I fire up, but this was... This is not... This was more than passion. This was anger. This was like... Um, I prayed with my, my daughter um, two nights ago and held a hand and um, I said, I want you to pray for me tonight. And um, come on. And she said, I pray Daddy wouldn't get so angry. Like I said, I was a turd. Um, I was just so snappy, which just made any conflict in the home just a ticking time bomb. It just would build up and Tiff would break down and the tears would flow. We'd say sorry and the cycle would just start again. And, and it's funny because like, I almost felt like it was going to come around every month. This is how pathetic it was. Like... I knew what I was doing, I knew I needed a change, but I wasn't. Um, and I could just see Tiff became numb to it. It was almost like, well, what's the point in pouring out my heart and what's the point in trying to fix this if it's not going to change? And all the while, I'm, I'm consumed with my business. I was spending less and less time with my kids, getting home later from work. And when I was home, my mind was always on other things. The idea of growing and building my business, it, it just consumed me. And the funny thing was, is that I thought I was doing it for righteous reasons. I'm providing for my family. But this desire had become, it had become a monster that was just changing the man I thought I was. And I want to dig into more in that in session two, open more up about that. But whether it was the business, church, life, for whatever reason, um, it just contributed to this loss of love and it just seemed to get further and further and I just became more and more bitter. A man who seemed to have it together on the surface but instead had a God love that was growing colder by the day. And the hypocrisy about a lot of this is that in this season that I was, I was still regularly praying to God. I, I wrote some of the best songs I ever have. Um, 
I was still playing music in church. I was there most weeks. But there was still this tendency that I just wanted to be on my own. And, and when I was on my own, when I was listening to worship songs, when I was um, driving in the car, that's when I felt good. That's when I felt like I had it all together. And, and, and maybe the more I did that, the, more, the less convicted I felt about what was going on. And then as soon as I had to deal with people, whether it be my family, the church, um, the frustration would just begin. And it, it just sounds ridiculous. Like, ugh, how many songs I must have sung on Sundays about the love of Jesus, the love of God that, that he's given us. And, and yet I can't even love the people in front of me. Like the basic test of whether you love God is right in front of me right now. Is how I treat you guys. At least that's, that's, that's where I'm seeing God seems to connect that. There is no avoiding that. You know, Proverbs 12 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. You know, we often think of that as, oh, that's a line for a non-Christian. <laughs> a way of a fool. But i tell you what, I was a fool, and I was in the church almost every week, busy doing stuff, but I was a fool, and I, I thought I had it together, and... This disconnection, this lack of love just turned me into something that, um, that needed to be changed, you know. So how did it change? Well, I listened to a Joel Olstein sermon and... No, I'm kidding. Right. Sorry if there's people that like that guy. Um, he wears pretty good suits, though. Um, so I wish I could tell you there was a moment, right, that... Just like God went, all right, Tim, you're slain in the spirit. Let's fix this. Let's get back in. So I, I just don't remember a moment. Um, what happened, or maybe, maybe it's many moments. Um, what happened, I can only put down to God's spirit surfacing this hypocrisy. And I can, I can put that down to you guys constantly preaching at church. Even though I was there being an absolute turd, you still preached. Um, the guys that would get together and have a coffee with me, even though... It was probably really hard and I was just answering everything the same way, you know, and maybe you thought you weren't getting anywhere. I don't know what if it was that. Words of wisdom from Tiff, um, just constantly, um, although she wouldn't say, you know, where, where does your love for me match up with your love for God? It was, there was a lot of pointers in, to that reality. So I don't, I don't really know whatever it was, um, but I just remember eventually just having enough, having enough of this, this cycle. And I remember looking over the scriptures that were just so clear, like when you start doing this, when you start looking at the love we have for God and how that should shape the love we have for people and, and how God just puts them together. I mean, the second commandment is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And it's funny because last year I just remember looking over them, just looking over them and getting what they said, understanding it. You know, it's like reading the Bible isn't almost about understanding. I think a lot of times it is about just being obedient. And then I just remember one day I just had this energy. And it's only been in probably the last several months that this has changed. And like there was this power behind it. And I don't know, maybe people were praying for me. Whatever it was, it was... I no longer saw just these words on a page as just like this suggestion from Jesus, but as in my life, like everything, hang on, 
is hanging on this. And then I just I felt regret. I just felt pain. I, I look back on this past year and I just, I just wondered how it could have gotten to this. And so I just want to—I just want to say to you all that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for pulling away. I'm sorry for the many of you I gossip behind closed doors. For the many sermons I would tear apart in my head on the way home. For text messages I would ignore. For the invitations I would just constantly say no to. And I just want to say sorry to the Lord Jesus because he has given me his life. He's given us his life. He's taken our place on a bloody cross. And I cannot claim, I can't claim to know that type of love and not be known for that here. So that's been my journey over the course of a year, really. And I say this because I, I really could have saved myself a world of pain, regret, if I had just taken Jesus' words and listened to them. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it's one thing for me to encourage you guys and stand up and preach about the love we need for each other, but I just want to tell you, I've, I've experienced that, the horrible side of the flip side of that. Like there's a reason Jesus calls us out in that is because he knows where we will go when our love grows cold. And it won't grow the church. It won't build anyone up. It will just lead you down a path where, I don't know, maybe you won't even be a Christian and maybe your family will break up. I don't know. Like, I'm sure my experience isn't um, unique. So as we look to the future, as we look to how we would grow as a church, I think, I think a great way to start camp and, and to think about the future is what matters is the love that we have for our Lord and Saviour and how we experience that between each other. And as I got to this point, um, I really felt like I needed to open it up to you guys. It's one thing for me to share my story, and maybe you've resonated with it. It's been hard to tell it, but um, you know, God's doing good stuff in me, and he's, he's bringing me to a new place where I just want to pour more energy into loving you guys. But I want to hear from you how you're going and how, your love, how you feel your love in the church is going. And we can only do that when we share stuff with each other. So I'm not, um, I don't want us to just speak out from where we are. I'd love to be able to just, if we could hop into a couple of small groups and just spend a couple of minutes just sharing and praying for each other. And I know this is hard. I know there's people out there that hate doing this. You just, but we've got to do it. And the reason why is because if we don't talk about this stuff, there's no reason to say that one of you won't end up like me. So all I want us to ask ourselves is, how is your love for the Lord going? And does my love for God show in how I love this church?
I just I hope we can do that. I hope we would have the guts to be able to share and be real with each other because if there's something there that you've been hanging on to for so long and you just can't get rid of it, sometimes just sharing that is what breaks that and having that accountability to your brothers and sisters. And something you guys feel free to just... I'm not, I'm not putting this on you guys, but I encourage you to be a part of it um, because this is for all Christians. Like, If we can't start camp with some type of honesty between each other and just figuring out where we're all at, like then I, I really don't know what to say next. I don't really know what sermon to preach if we can't have some type of realness with each other. And even if it's just a prayer, even if you don't feel like you can share it, just pray for yourself. Was that, is, that a, is that a fair call? Um, and then the main reason I have um, the songs at the end is because a lot of times we have songs at the start and the, the modern church, really, we don't have a, a recipe for how we do church in the scriptures. Like God gives us a few things that he, that he says you should do together, but we're not caught into a schedule. And the reason I wanted to have these songs is because they're songs that cry out to God to change us. And... Um, I feel like as we think about our love for God and our love for each other, where we're all at with that, and as we share that, you'll sing these songs in a way where you want God to change you. You won't sing them as in, oh, this is the songs that get my heart rate going at the beginning of a service before the sermon comes. You'll, you'll sing them as a desperate human being who knows they need love for God and then needs to turn it into how he loves his brothers and sisters. And um, that's been the thing, uh, been the reality all week for me. I've just I've come out of planning these sessions and just had these great times of worship with these songs. And my wife hates it because I'm the type of guy that listens to the same song a hundred times. And she's like the polar opposite. She's like, give me the radio, do that. So um, I just want to thank even Kat for that um, I Surrender song. It just really broke me. We're going to sing that today um, because I think it really embodies what I have to share with you guys and what we should be looking at as a church as we go on. So... And I'd like to get the kids back in too when we do that. So if we can spend some time just breaking up into some small groups, if you're okay with that, mate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, before we do that, can I just say a few words? Sure. Um, there's a few people that aren't here, and I really want them to hear uh, what I'm about to say. And I especially want them to hear what you've just said. And I just wanted to thank you for your raw... In fact, just come on. Yeah. Bring it in. I've apologised to most of these guys, you know, I'm, um, I'm ticking the list so, off. <laughs> so I'm going to, you've been raw, so I'm going to be really raw. So as a church leader, I guess, and Tim and I go way back. Like I've known Tim since he was one of the annoying little, not quite as young as, you know, Atticus or perhaps Paxton, but nearly. Um, in fact, I would have known you in 1995. So how old would you have been then, mate? Twelve. Twelve. There you go. So a little bit older than Paxton, obviously. But, um, Double. Yeah. So I've seen Tim grow from essentially a boy to a teenager. He was one of the youth leaders that was helping me out when I was doing the youth work. He's then been sort of alongside with the Eastgate thing, the Willowburn thing. And so I just have to confess some stuff as well because you do feel a bit of a sense of betrayal and then the sinful nature starts to rise up in you as well. And it's like, well, I invited him out. Why isn't he coming out? And I texted him and he's not answering my text. And then it's like you start, and then you don't want to do it. You don't want to talk to other people. Then you go, oh, Ben, no, you know, and, you, and you'll do it in a, a virtue signaling way. You'll do it in, a, oh, maybe we need to pray for Tim. And then, because what you're actually hoping deep down is that the feelings of hurt or whatever, that he's feeling them as well, 
uh, so that you, know, you can kind of, you know, have a, a, a colleague in your resentment. And uh, so there's definitely been some of that going on in my heart. I'm sorry, mate. And one of the things, though, that the Lord has continually shown me is it, I, I do that because I like it. There's something about it that I like. Okay? That's why we do it. If we didn't like it, we wouldn't do it. Mm. Right? But I've come to realise more and more that that is the near horizon. It's like eating a Twinkie. It's like eating a Snickers bar. It's like, oh, it tastes really good, but it's going to make you fat if you keep on eating it. And so there's a sense of, Lord Jesus, show me a better way. Mm. Show me a better way. So in that near horizon where it feels good to talk about your brother and try and build up kind of stuff in you. And, you know, I knew that when we went to um, Pump, <laughs> one, two, three, I didn't want to do that, but at the same time, it was kind of awkward because I knew you, 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 know, you weren't feeling the best about us and we'd sit there in front of you having our meetings and you were out the back doing your thing. Mm. So, but then at the same time, it was also a part of me that was good. I know, <laughs> oh, and mm. this is weird because it's, like it's like a cold war. It's like literally <coughs> a cold war. You know, the, oh, you're probably all too young to know about the cold war. Oh. They did have eggs, Benny, so... <laughs> Well, and that was the main reason, to be honest, the eggs benefit. But, but in all seriousness... He's not kidding. I, I'm, okay. I, I'm okay with it, mate. I'm okay yeah. with it. But just to say that this is not like a one-way thing where it's all just him. We could have reached out a bit more. We could have kept... In, in fact, I just think what Jesus would do. Jesus would not have given up on you, mate. Mm. And we did. Um, so... Yeah, step a bit closer because I want the microphone to hear it. Oh. Yeah, all right. I'll just cuddle you, mate, while, while I say this. Con- confess away. Um... <laughs> Give me some some cord, man. Um, I don't know how many, like, I know there's a lot of younger people, like, newer people here, but last, uh, it probably would have been about a month ago, wasn't it? When this was really, I I could see this really starting to bed in you. And then you share, you sort of were sharing on Sunday about, I don't know why it's taken so long, but we're getting the the music group together and, you know, we we just got to love each other more. And the thought that was going through my head was like, oh, Tim, where have you been the last year or so, man? But that wasn't just on you, man. That's on me as well. Because, you know, how much reaching out did I do to you in that year? We might have had brekkie once or twice or something. And, you know, it's not acceptable, man. So thanks for bringing it out. Um, I confess to you that, you know, I was angry and like, just ask Camille how much I was whinging to her about, oh, I can't believe Tim's saying this. I can't, like, you know, he, he could have got the music team together, you know, all these sorts of things. Like, Which I could have, it just, yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I felt that way. And I just, it's true, I, I think you mentioned it, but, um, you know, the way when we get grumpy with somebody, imagine, like, taking this beautiful picture, okay, and you put it through a photocopier. I've used this illustration in sermons before. You put it through a photocopier and then you take that photocopy, which is like this distorted, it's got a bit of grain in it. It's like a distorted picture of the original. And then you photocopy that again. And then you take that photocopy and then it's just getting more and more distorted and, and wrecked away from the, the, like the good image that it was initially. And I just think that is so, when we just get on these, when we, when we disconnect from each other and we, we separate ourselves from other people, we don't get a chance to reflect on that, imi- that original image anymore. We just keep taking that stained, grainy picture and photocopying it again and making it worse. And um, we've got to come together more. We've got, to, we've got to be in each other's lives more. And so, man, thanks for, thanks for bringing that out, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you were the reason, man, the School of Preachers started. So, you know, the reason that I get up there and preach, you know, every two or three weeks is because 
you know, well, because you were such a goat about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and sort of made, made us do it. So thanks, man. Thanks for sharing, bro. No worries, brother. Sorry for um, my part in it. So I think, yeah, it'd be good maybe just to get together in little groups and just pray a little bit or share. You don't have to do it for too long and then I guess you'll just start playing some songs. And yeah, stuff. we might go get the but, kids and I want the kids to be yeah. in for the song. So. Yeah, and look, I'm sorry if it's a bit embarrassing and stuff, but I feel this is an important thing to do. And really, it's not about doing something in the group. You don't feel like doing it in the group, don't do it. Right? But we've got three days together. Um, so if you... We'll get to you may as well. Yeah. So... So you might, saying, you, might, though, you might have a conversation down the beach later. You might have a conversation mm. over a cup of tea or you might have an angry conversation over a game of risk and it'll all come out there. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be really loud and over 11. Yeah. yeah. And then but, you get a mama coming and punching yeah. in yeah. the face. Yeah, I find, I, find small, I find small group stuff as corny as the next person, but I think that's probably the safest way for us to do it rather than us all standing up and blurting out. Because not everyone wants to do that. And I, I just feel like we need to talk, though. We need to do something. Because as soon as you disconnect, like the guy said, and you start... You can't get out how you're going, and you're not honest, then it just gets worse. And I think you can't love people. You can't be genuine with it if you don't know people and you don't know where they're at. It just changes your perspective when, you, when you're actually concerned for them. And so that's all I want from you guys is just... I want to be able to love you guys more. I want to know where you're at. I don't want another Tim experience happening to any one of you in this next year. And so I can't know that unless, you're, unless we're real with each other, you know? Yeah, and just really quickly, we asked the question, you know, why haven't we grown? We're talking spiritual growth as well. Love, joy, peace. We're talking faith, mm. hope and love. We're also talking numerical. And you see as well what happens in a church. Like Tim's always been a part of what we do. And so it's like literally you've got this, I think, awesome team and it's, a world-class athlete, but now, because Tim's maybe not as connected, or it could be any one of us, now this world-class athlete's just missing a leg. That's, that's what Paul talks about in terms of the church. So that's what happens in the church. You end up with a missing body part, in a sense, and the church just limps along. God will still accomplish what he needs to. But mm. Let me just pray for us before we come together. Father, I just thank you so much. For this time, it is, it's hard to hear sometimes. It's a bit difficult even just processing and thinking through how we could have done things better. But I just thank you for my brother's honesty. I pray, just as we get together, Lord, <clears throat> I just pray even with some of the awkwardness, I can feel it in my own heart that we just listen to you, we just pray, we come together, sing some songs. And over this weekend, as we move into baptism and communion together, that there just be some really special things happen. Open up our hearts to you. Show us a better way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right.